This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. So as you know, we've been preaching a series called Breathe, right? Where the focus and the heart of, of it has been slowing down and connecting with God and, 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 and fellowshipping with him. What does it mean to be his people, not just to know about him, but to know him, right? And, and we've been slowing down and allowing God to form our hearts inside of that way, right? Um, Pastor John, he preached and, and he set the whole thing off. Then Pastor Aaron came through and he talked about spirit and breath, how the, the very breath inside of our lungs was breathed in by God. So going really really basic. Then we talked about just listening to God because so many times we could just be moving, 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 but not, but not slowing down and listening to him and, and knowing his, his voice. Uh, last week, Pastor Aaron talked about just abiding in him. And today, we're going to talk about surrender. So what I'm going to ask you to do is to stand with me. We're going to be in Psalms 33, and we're going to read the whole thing. Let's go. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lair. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright. And all of his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, and he puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven and he sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope of salvation. And by his great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, 
that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our souls wait for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. You may be seated. David starts this psalm off talking about this wonderful God, this awesome God, this big, big God, this wonderful God, and and this God who's faithful. That's how he describes him. He describes him as faithful, how how his words are upright. That's this God he describes. His words are upright. He starts talking about him, how he created everything in the earth. He created the angels in the heavens, how he creates the earth and how he fills the earth with his love. And he said, man, it only makes sense that we worship him. It's befitting for the upright. It's befitting for the righteous to worship him. It only makes sense. Look at how good he is. It only makes sense for, 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 for us to worship him and to live life in sync with him. That makes sense. But there's a problem here. He describes this incredible God who who does these these huge things, who's in control of everything. But then and and he says it just makes sense to worship him, but there's, there's a problem. You see, there's some people whose counsel this God chooses to bring to nothing. There's some people who, who, whose plans he chooses to frustrate. Given how good this God is, how incredible he is, how magnificent he is, why would he do such a thing? Why would he choose to bring their counsel to nothing? Why would he choose to, to frustrate their plans? Nothing seems to work. It's because their counsel and their plans are against him. They're they're not in sync with his will. When I say against him, they are autonomous from him. They're not in sync with his will, with what he's doing, with the flow of everything he's going. They are functionally at odds with God. They are functionally in rebellion. Ever ever since the fall, everything inside of us seeks to rebel against God. Everything. Our passions and desires, the the thoughts that go in and out of our our minds, our our hearts, our, our, our body, everything is in rebellion against God. It permeates every aspect of our lives, this rebellion. As a matter of fact, rebellion against God is our normal mode of operation. That's that's how we do things. It's our 
way of life. It's the way we do life. It's the air that we breathe rebelling against God. Psalms 51 says, I was born in sin and then shaped in iniquity. See, sin is, is rebellion against God. And this rebellion has formed us in more ways than we know. When I say it's formed us, it's formed us down to the generations. That's why we're spending so much time focusing on things like spiritual formation because spiritual formation has to be intentional. The the natural thing is to go a different direction. It has to be intentional because we've been formed by rebellion. David talks about this God, and in verses 6 through 9, he says this. He says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts, he gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, and he puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth Fear the Lord that all his inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and he stood firm. See, he created nature itself, every single thing. He set the solar system in rotation around the sun. Set the earth to, to spin on its axis. He Breathe into our nostrils, causing blood to circulate inside of our body. All of this movement and much more working in constant concert with each other. And when we rebel against God, we choose a path that goes against the natural rhythms of life itself. It goes against everything. The unnatural becomes natural, and now everything inside of us naturally bends in a perpetual war against God. That's what we wake up to. That's where we we find ourselves at. This natural war against God that we're in that's out of sync with every single thing else that he's doing, out of sync with the stars and the universe, everything else. that is, They're following what he's doing, but we aren't. So it's a war. Paul talks about the internal aspect of this war in, 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 in Romans where he's talking about how the Holy Spirit is internally, literally, Going to war inside of us. In Romans 7 and 23, he says, But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my my members. Is this inward war. But there's this, this external war as well. This thing that's coming from outside. And it feels like life itself is fighting against you. Things just, just can't go right and, and you keep running in the walls and things keep, keep crashing and clashing. And some of us don't realize the tension and calamity inside of our lives is because of this very war. 
Again, in 10, he says, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing, no matter what anybody says. I keep getting wisdom and opinions from people, and I keep getting counsel, but nothing seems to work. Everything seems to end up the same way. It says that he frustrates the plans of the people. I keep trying to pan it out. It seemed really good on paper. He's a good God, and he's in, in control of everything. And for some of us, the Lord is frustrating our plans to confront us for rebelling against his image. And for some of us, the Lord is frustrating our plans to conform us more into his image. I need y'all to get this. Again, for some of us, he is frustrating our plans to confront us because we are rebelling against his image. We are fighting against his will and he's frustrating our, our plans to confront us. And then for some of us, he is frustrating our plans to conform us more and more into his image. Trouble becomes a, a dual agent of the Lord. God brings trouble to frustrate our plans as a, a means to conform us. I start to think about this book I was, I was reading by, by E.M. Bounds, and he starts to talk about this. And he says these, this, these things, he says it to the saint, to the believer. And one says, but I love you, Lord, but, but, but you keep allowing these troubles to come. And, and, and he wanted us to have this, this perspective on his trouble. And he says this, trouble is under the control of of Almighty God and is one of his most efficient agents in fulfilling his purposes and perfecting his saints. It's, it's in his control and in his hands. And, and what would it look like if we were to respond to trouble in such a way that says, I know this is a tool in the hand of my God. There's another quote that he says here, and he says, Trial is testing. It is testing, um, it is that which proves us, tests us, and makes us stronger and better when we submit or surrender to the trial and the work and work together with God in it. What does it look like? What would it look like if we surrendered to God in the midst of the trial? If we surrendered to God in the midst of the trouble? I know that, Lord, that you are good and in your hand, trouble is a, is a scalpel and it's cutting certain things. What does it look like? Because the natural tendency in the midst of the trouble is to kick back. It's to fight. What if fighting against the trouble is the worst thing you can do? See, whether he's confronting or conforming, the proper response is surrender. It's a proper response, and, and some of us are doing everything we can to not do that. Some of us inside here will say, 
We say that we surrender to God, but really, we're confused with what surrender actually looks like functionally. I I surrender to him. I do, I do, I do. I want to say some of us are confused with what that looks like. David, he's talking here, and, and he describes what it looks like for us. And I want to read that in 18 through 21. He describes what surrender looks like, and he says this. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their souls from death and keep them alive in famine. Our souls wait for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Surrender looks like trust. See, there's, there's, there's this one surrender where it's like, man, you better surrender because you're getting beat up and you just better chill and stuff. And, and you're not really surrendering out of trust. You're, you're surrendering because you don't got no other options. See, that's the last thing on my list. Is I, I just might as well surrender. I'm out of money. I'm out of patience and everything else. But when we get it, when we really, really get it, Serena says, Lord, I trust you. I trust you when I, I submit to your will and I submit to your, your way. You are perfect and you are good and you're molding and you're shaping. I submit, Lord, out of trust. You see, surrendering to God is a highly relational act of trust. And without trust, no relationship can thrive. Oh, they can exist next to each other dysfunctionally. They can just be there and and just stay disconnected. But without trust, no relationship can actually thrive because there are going to be things that I don't understand. I'm going to need to have trust. And the reason why it's so hard to surrender to God is because and all things is said and done, we don't trust him. We actually believe we can save ourselves from our situations and circumstances. I, I know you say that you trust him. I know you probably verbalize it, but functionally your actions scream something else. I keep trying to work things out my own way, my own plans. I, I don't really trust them because if I did, I would know how to wait on them. Instead, I keep building these other things. This is a movie I like called War Horse, where there's this horse and he's caught in the middle of this war. It's just, this kid, he grew up with this horse, and it was a, a nice, strong, good horse. And, and the, the people from both sides, they liked the horse. And the whole story is about this, this, this beautiful horse caught in the middle of a war. And it makes me think about how back in the days when people went to war, a nice, strong horse was coveted. Give me a nice, strong horse. The bigger the horse, the better. And they would, and they would put armor on the horse and... Dress it up with its their colors, whatever it is, and the horse it, it, it was big and it was it was fast and it was under their control. 
The moment they sat on the horse, they, they already felt victorious. They, they're sitting up high on this mighty beast, and, 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 and they feel that the, the, they're connected to its power and its speed, and, 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 and I get to control it. You see, that war horse in our lives is all of the devices that you use to try to save yourself. The manipulation, the, the planning, um, 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 I'm going to work hard and I'm going to work longer. I'm going to get smarter or be smarter. I'm just going to wait it out. Uh, and you start to get all the options from all the other people to accomplish your goals so you can fix the situation yourself. You're building up your war house. You dress it up so that it looks fast and strong. And, 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 and at the end of the day, the thing that, that you love about it is that you're in control. And you're, you're caught up in this illusion of the war horse with all of your devices. And it's interesting because right before David talks about trusting God, he makes these profound statements in verses 16 and 17. And he says, the king is not saved by his great army. That's not what really saved him. A warrior is not delivered by his, his great strength. You're missing it. And then in 17, he says this thing is really important. He says, the war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by his great might, it cannot rescue you. False hope. I know you've been planning it out. False hope, though. You see, for so many of us, in so many ways, our war horse and our great army is actually raised against God. He's doing what he's doing, but you're doing what you're doing. And he's going this way, and what you're doing is going that way. Why? Because we don't want to surrender to him. And some of us are... Some of us is out here probably thinking, man, that's so dramatic. That's not me. There's, there's, there's no big war going on inside of my life. When really your war against God has just been a passive-aggressive one. I remember one time I, I was so confused. I went to the doctor's office, and, and the doctor was trying I got some MRIs done, and the doctor was trying to, to gauge um, some pain that was going through, and, 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 and he, he was asking me about the pain, and, and when he would ask me about the pain, you see, the only thing that I acknowledged was the sharp pains. And I was confused because he asked me, do you have any dull, constant pains? I didn't know what he was talking about. You see, the only thing that, that, that registered to me was the sharp ones. They stood out. And I had gotten so used to the dull, constant pains of war my body was going through that the only ones that registered were the sharp ones. 
gotten so used to it. It was just the thing that was going on in the background all the time, and it became so normalized that I, that I didn't even realize that it was there. I, I, I thought, this, that's just how I'm supposed to be feeling. Like, you mean I'm not supposed to have that ache right there? And it was just all the time. See, some of us are in this dull, constant war with God. It's going along all the time, and you're so used to it that, 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 that the only thing that stand out to you are the sharp spikes. And you think everything is good, and it's not because you're in this dull, constant war with God, and it's so normal. really want us to think on these things this morning. I'm, my goal isn't to come up here and like preach a whole bunch of stuff, but to, to draw attention to, to the war. See, the wise man knows that even when I'm not an obvious war and rebellion against God, I'm in a dull, constant war and rebellion against God. The wise man knows that. He contemplates that. That's why the Bible says things like, man, even your righteousness are like filthy rags. He knows that his sensitivity to the Spirit of God is so low that he doesn't even notice when he's disconnected. I'm going to call the band up now because I really want us to, to really be thinking about what's being said. I want to spend some time meditating on it on the end. So I'm going to call the band up. I want y'all to think about this. You see, a life of war against God is burdensome and exhausting. You need to know that it's burdensome and exhausting. Whenever, whenever, whenever something is out of sync, it has to work harder for normal operation. Because it's out of sync. It has to work harder to, to compensate for being out of sync. It has to go faster and click more and, and do this and do that. And, and it'll start to get stressed out and exhausted after a while. And they'll start to exhibit signs of the exhaustion. They'll start making noises or start to smoke or start to go a little bit slower. It starts to get sluggish and it doesn't operate the way that it used to. You see, when we are out of sync with God, we start to exhibit signs. But are you paying attention to the signs? And I want to say that we are out of sync with God constantly. That's why there has to be a constant realigning because naturally we bend to go out of sync with him. And if there isn't a constant realigning, you find yourself trying to operate all the time out of sync with God and out of sync with God will become your normal. But you'll start, you'll start verbalizing it and you'll start thinking about it. You'll start thinking about how tired you are. Like, I'm, I'm just so tired. 
You start noticing the, how stressed I am and, and, and how much worrying I do and how I can't sleep. And you, you'll start you, noticing the burden that's on your shoulders, even if you try to ignore it. You'll start noticing that my, my mind, it, it keeps, it, was, it won't settle. You'll say it, I'm tired, I'm just so tired. I'm so tired of this at work. I'm so tired of this in my relationship. I'm so tired. And when we talk about surrender, see, when you surrender, when you surrender to God, you rest in him. He brings you to this place of rest. Ah, he knows this. He, he knows this. He, he sees them toiling out of sync with him and the burden that's, that's on their shoulder and how it's, it's bogging them down. And he comes and in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, he's calling them to surrender. And he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Surrender. Take my yoke up upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul's surrender. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Surrender. Surrender. He wants to give us rest. What I want to do today as we go into this time of communion, I want you to know about this God that's extending his arms out and saying, rest in me. For some of us, he's for sure confronting you. You've, you enjoy living out of sync with me. For some of us, he is for sure conforming you. Stop fighting it. I'm molding and shaping here. Rest inside of me. As he extends himself, the, the communion table is set and the bread represents his body that's given for us and the blood is represented by the juice and the cup and it's, it's given for us and it's him saying come rest in me and as I take communion what I'm doing is saying I surrender to you I trust you but what I, I want to ask you to do before you come up today I want you to I don't know probably you need to take out a paper and a pen your phones whatever it is but I want you to contemplate your war horse contemplate the things that you go to for salvation, that you go to to save you in your situations that aren't him, that you actually think, oh, my manipulation got me this way, or my, my smarts got me this, or whatever it is, I want you to contemplate your war horse. Write it down. And I want you to repent to God for, for trusting in the war horse and not the one that created the horse. And surrender to him. And as you come and you take communion, it's your way of saying, Lord, I trust you and I surrender to you. 
And then let's worship God together. So don't be too quick to come up here. Linger inside of his spirit. Even ask him to show you your war horse. Pray and then come up. Let's break bread. And let's go to the throne together. The tables are open. Let's worship. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.